0: You're listening to the Wesley Seminary Podcast out of Wesley Seminary, and i your host today is Dr. Aaron Perry, Assistant Professor of Pastoral Care. What's the Bible about? If you were to ask the 20-something, 30-something in your life, what would they say? Would they have deep convictions? Are they engaged with Scripture? Are they closed to Scripture? Are they kind of indifferent or maybe open to it, but just not sure what to do with it? What's the Bible about? Today's guest is Michael McAfee. Michael and his wife, Lauren, are recent authors of the book, Not What You Think, Why the Bible Might Be Nothing We Expected, Yet Everything We Need. Michael and his wife write as millennials, to millennials, about this scripture, about this issue of what is the Bible about, why might people read it and engage it for themselves, and how can we start to stir up that interest? In this episode, you'll hear from a millennial about some of the perspectives that millennials have towards the Bible. You'll hear about some pastoral encouragements about how we might engage people and their questions to Scripture. You'll also hear a final word to church leaders, those who are in authority in the church even now, about how they can be addressing and encouraging millennials to engage with Scripture. Michael works for Museum of the Bible, and he's also the president and co-founder of Inspire Experiences. You can find out more information about Inspire Experiences at inspireexperiences.org. Michael is president and co-founder of Inspire Experiences. You can check them out at inspireexperiences.org. He is also an employee for Museum of the Bible and is pursuing, pursuing a PhD in public policy and ethics under Dr. Russell Moore at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Thanks so much for tuning in. Stay tuned to a word for a word from our sponsors, and then enjoy the podcast.
1: We are Wesley, and you belong here. My name is Victoria Borum, and I am Wesley. I'm Lenny Lucchetti, and I am Wesley. My name is Chris, and guess what? I am Wesley. Hi, I'm
0: Tina Schappett, and I am Wesley. We recognize this beautiful diversity
1: that the Lord has called together That is Wesley. My name is Corey Merritt, and I am Wesley. I am Wayne Brown, and I am Wesley. I am Colleen Durr, and I belong here. You belong here, too, because we are Wesley.
0: Welcome to the Wesley Seminary podcast, Michael. We're glad that you've joined us. Hey,
1: thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here.
0: So you and your wife, Lauren, have just written this book, Not What You Think why the Bible might be nothing we expected, yet everything we need. All right, so it's drawing us into the Bible, and you've written this book for millennials. I'd love for you just to tell us a little bit about your story and why
1: you wanted to write a book about the Bible for millennials. Yeah, so Lauren and I uh, actually are Sunday school sweethearts. We grew up together in the same church, and... um, Uh, We're both kind of churched kids. Uh, We both wanted to pursue different routes of ministry, but decided to go to a a secular university, the University of Oklahoma, rather than kind of the traditional uh, Christian school route, um, because we wanted to be challenged. And in the midst of it, we were. And what we found was there was a lot of people that had a lot of assumptions, uh, wrong assumptions about what the Bible was, specifically talking about our peers. And so um, through college and then even into our 20s and now into the early part of our 30s, as we were engaging with other millennials, we just kept seeing how there was just kind of this uh, false assumptions about what the Bible is, the nature of scripture, uh, what the purpose of scripture is. And so uh, we have always found the Bible to be an ins- a source of inspiration um, ultimately a message about uh, Christ and what he has done for us and uh, found a lot of hope, obviously, in the scripture, the bedrock of our our literal hope. And so we wanted to write this book as a sort of peer, a plea from a peer uh, to our fellow, you know, 20 and 30-somethings to say, hey, we get it. There are a lot of issues that people have with the Bible. You've probably heard some of the criticism, uh, but don't dismiss the Bible before you've read it yourself. That it would be easy to just kind of cast it aside, but before you cast judgment on the Bible, in the same way millennials, we don't like people casting judgment on us before you get to know us. Don't judge the Bible before you get to know it for yourself.
0: Hmm. There's a great line from C.S. Lewis's book, That Hideous Strength, where a fellow says, uh, you can't study people; you can only get to know them. And his point was that, uh, sure, you can you can get to know something about people from the group or various groups that they belong to, but people are still individuals, and it takes some some time to actually get to know them. and And there's a deep personal knowledge that needs to come. And it sounds like you're kind of issuing that challenge that. You know, before you make judgments on the Bible, it's like you, you can't study the Bible. You can only get to know it. You know, maybe you could say something similar. And, and to get to know it, you actually have to read it and try and put yourself in the, in the shoes of the people who are writing it, the shoes of the people who yeah. are had its experiences, and the
1: shoes of people who are, are reading it, especially in days uh, before ours. Exactly. No, that's exactly right. And, and the hope being that um, there are, I think, rightly, a lot of voices that are calling. Millennials to, um, you know, uh, there's kind of a a lot made about the exodus of Millennials from the church and from uh, Christianity and the rise of the nuns and and now the rise of the duns as in done with church. And um, what we wanted to do was to hopefully just add to that conversation to sort of get a a pre-evangelism conversation in many ways, just to say, Hey, we want to have a talk conversation about the church. We want to have a conversation about Christianity. But really, would you be willing to start with the Bible and really within the Bible, would you be willing to start with us at Jesus and take it from that starting point to then uh, moving on to these other, you know, conversations, you know. So, in other words, millennials have been hurt by many millennials have been hurt by someone in the church. And so Uh, we want to own the hurt that they have, uh, but we also want to say, hey, just because, you know, this person uh, did wrong to you doesn't mean the Bible doesn't mean God, Jesus uh, did wrong to you. And so trying to help sensitively to come alongside and, and have that conversation through a book.
0: So orient us a little bit to what millennials maybe do think about the Bible or what some of the hang-ups might be that that you're seeing most often or that maybe that you have had or that you identify with. What are some of the things that people might look for as hang-ups that millennials might have toward the Bible?
1: Yeah, I'm really glad you asked because that ultimately it was uh, both our personal experience as well as some research that we did uh, in our work at Museum of the Bible that uh, really was the genesis for us in, in writing the book. And The research side was looking at Barna studies and Pew studies and Lifeway and and a whole bunch of different studies, just seeing what do millennials think about the Bible and and being a little bit surprised. So there's a a small minority of millennials, less than 20% that are uh, Bible engaged. That means they hold the Bible in high regard. They're regularly engaging with the scripture. Um, They see it as a, a regular habit to be formed in their life. On the opposite end of the spectrum, there's another group that's between 20 and 30 percent um, that is uh, biblically skeptical, even moving towards being biblically hostile. Uh, in other words, I, I really don't want to have anything to do with the Bible. I'm skeptical that it's it's worthwhile. Um, maybe even I'm hostile against it. I'm just we call it in our book the Bible closed. Their Bible is closed. They are closed to the Bible. They're not reading it. They don't want anything to do with it. Uh, So you have on one end uh, a a small group of of Bible closed, you have on the other end a a bit smaller group of Bible open or Bible reading, but in the center what you have is a large group um, that's open to the scriptures but not regularly engaging with it. And so this makes up over 50% of millennials, frankly it makes up over 50% of every generation in America today. Uh, but within that what you have is two groups that are identified in at least the the barna study that they did in conjunction with american bible society and that's uh, bible neutral There, there's no hostility towards the bible you know i just don't really ever think much about the bible i'm just kind of neutral towards it or a lot of them are actually bible friendly i'm friendly to the bible i think it's a good book and you know my life would probably be better if i read it some and so So it was out of a realization that we, I was often thinking when I went to a secular university, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking about the uh, biblically, the Bible closed group, the skeptical, the hostile. How do I convert them into being a a Bible loving person? When in reality, there's a far bigger group, a far wider uh, mission field, if you will. That is people that are open to the scriptures, open to the Bible, uh, but don't haven't put the pieces together for themselves. Aren't regularly engaging with it. Uh, don't hold it as to be the uh, inspired Word of God, etc. So uh, that was kind of who we wanted to, in some ways, tilt our book to was what we called Bible disengaged millennials. Uh, to that group that's open to the Bible but not regularly engaging with it, and I think for pastors and and ministers and, and, and uh, just Christians, parents today, to recognize that the vast majority of millennials are um, not only open to the scripture, but frankly, they're open to everything, uh, which is one of the reasons why they're, they're seemingly leaving the church is because they're open to other things outside of church, but that also presents a door for us to have an intentional conversation with them about Christianity and about the scriptures in particular, because they're open to that as well.
0: So how did you, or what did you find was effective and valuable and, you know, a faithful way to engage these people who are open so that they were more likely to at least have a chance to become Bible engaged rather than to be even, you know, rather than to be turned off to become Bible closed. What was the proper posture, so to speak, of engaging those who were Bible open for those who wanted them to further engage the Bible?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the first thing is, you know, we, we start in the book kind of looking at, um, breaking down what a millennial is and it's often there millennials often get thought of as being college students today but they're not that's generation z Uh, millennials are in their 20s and most of them actually i believe now are in their 30s and are a major part of the workforce and so uh, defining not only um, kind of what the age range of millennials is but also kind of the makeup of of what makes us who we are. And so um, one of the reasons why I think that this is a particularly interesting generation to track uh, the Bible engagement is because we were uh, kids when the internet was sort of coming to uh, its rise. And so that has influenced how we connect with others. We're used to doing that through Facebook. And so um, we're, we're used to not only having connections of people that are around us, but literally around the world, we have people that we're connected with, even if we've never met them in person, where you look at, you know, I, I my grandfather lives in the same city, um, grew up in the same city that I grew up in, uh, but he didn't know anyone that lived outside of, you know, his kind of immediate area where I know people literally all around the world. And so that changes the way that we engage with others. It changes the way we engage with ideas because we, are, we have access to knowledge and information um, Beyond just the scope of, for instance, a local church, and so I say that because the most of the conversations that I have with uh, my peers about the Bible, I spend a lot of time deconstructing their idea of what the scriptures are. So again, not just from my personal experience, from research, if you were to ask the the, the Bible readers, the Bible engaged, what is the reason that you read the scriptures? Number one answer, far and away. To grow closer to God, you know the great majority. That's the number one reason. So that makes a lot of sense. That's why I, I engage with the scriptures. But then, if you turn that around and look to people who aren't regularly engaging with the scriptures, and ask what their view of the Bible is, the number one answer, far and away, is that it's a book of morality. Mm-hmm. It's a rule book, and so they see the Bible kind of as these, you know, divine commands, just as like the the Ten Commandments or something. This is just strictly telling me what I'm supposed to do, and so for most of my conversations, I'm trying to help uh, my peers see the Bible is not primarily a book about what you're supposed to do. It's primarily a book about what God has already done for us in Christ, and once you have that understanding of the cross, of the, the law that was given, kind of pointing to the fact that none of us could live up to it, that there's a need for a substitute for a a savior to step in our place and that christ died the death we should have died uh and then rose from the dead which we got to celebrate and and um and out of that when you come to an understanding of that gospel message that there are implications for how you live but it's a heart change that leads to the change in what you do not vice versa
0: what are some of the criticisms that you have coming back to you with that? I mean, mm-hmm. imagine there's a, a number of different angles that people might take, even in a, in a friendly posture, right? Like some of right. the things they might say are like, well, why should I believe that there are historical accuracies and, and things that are historically true in mm-hmm. this book? And especially I've got in mind, right, the knowledge of people from around the world inevitably means at least some kind of vague awareness of other holy texts. that are still trying to make authoritative claims on the ways uh, that people should live or perhaps on what god has done right or or the gods have done or or you know you can parse that out in many ways what are some of the criticisms that you have coming back to you whenever you start to offer that deconstruction
1: the biggest one obviously is is uh that's your interpretation right like that's your understanding of what the bible is and that's great that that works for you, but uh, you are uh, biased in in a hundred different ways based on your context, when you live, uh, what your parents were like, what ethnicity you are. I mean, on and on and on. And so, which is a I mean, that's that's fair. We we try in our book at the beginning to own that, yeah, and not what you think. We say we we have here are our biases. Like we are Christians, we are Bible believing Christians, we are you know, if I use the term the way that I believe the term should be used, we are evangelicals. And so to then kind of set up and say, but here's why, um, as we're advocating for you to kind of take away what you've heard from others, um, just because you watched, you know, Bill Maher on late night TV, make fun of the Bible, don't dismiss it before reading it for yourself. Uh, we are offering our view of what the scriptures are, uh, but we're trying to do it as much as we can by using the scripture itself. So, central to our understanding of the Bible's message is Jesus, who uh, told the Pharisees, who were experts in the Bible, experts in the law, the Old Testament, Hebrew Bible, that you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and yet as the scriptures that testify about me, that point to me. Or on the road to Emmaus, right? In Luke 24, re- after the resurrection, uh, that Jesus appears to a couple of disciples and points them all the things in the law and the prophets concerning himself so if jesus is god uh, which i believe he is i believe the bible clearly claims that he is then uh, i want to read the bible the way that jesus reads the bible and so if jesus reads the bible with everything ultimately pointing to him and specifically pointing to what he came to do on the cross then i believe that that is the most faithful way to read the scripture not because it's my preference but it's because it's what jesus claims within the pages of scripture itself
0: and how is that how is that uh reacted to i mean do you have people who kind of take it and and maybe apply it for a season they do reengage the bible right they've they've taken the challenge to read it for themselves um or do they, do you find that uh there's kind of like well all right, like the the maybe there's the openness just continues, right? Um, mm-hmm. Maybe I'll get around to that someday, or maybe there's some that say like, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna go check this out now. How does how does the conversation flow after that?
1: Yeah, it, I mean, it's very much like the parable of the sower, right? I mean, there's there's just depending on the person. So um, I've had conversation this conversation with people, and they kind of go, no, oh, okay, I'm I'm unmoved by your argument, but. We had a nice conversation um and you know you just pray and hope that maybe it's something about it just lingers and they're still thinking about it um i've had people that have uh, sort of given it a second shot and um for a season kind of engage with scripture and then kind of you know fall back away if you will and then i've, I've had some people that we know have uh, this has helped kind of bring them back to saying okay I, this helped me kind of clear the decks and recognize that I was prejudging the scripture before engaging with it for myself. And um, so we, you know, ultimately that's what, what one of the kind of postures I would encourage any pastor or parent or minister that's trying to minister to millennials to have is one of humility, like one of humility and um, to be patient to uh, like, not try and win an argument, but simply kind of trying to uh, re re uh, Reframe or to ask good questions, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, to get millennials to think differently about scripture than they have been. And so, uh, when I've done that, more you know, that has been the most helpful thing that I've found uh, in trying to have a conversation with a millennial about Jesus is asking them to read the Bible with me itself.
0: Talk to us a little bit about when the ethical questions do come up. Because if anybody yeah. does read the Bible and takes it seriously, you, you can't get around some of the the moral uh, the moral claims it makes. You can't right. get around the the right. either the formation of the imagination, right, the theological right. imagination of what human beings are, and and certainly it get, the New Testament will get into some of the specific um, applications of that. What does it what does it mean to hold uh, other people as as made in God's image and of, and of value and dignity and worth. What does it mean to, um, right. Lay down one's life and to live sacrificially, right. There, are, there are ethical implications and ethical claims that start to jump off the page. Uh, cause I can identify, I'm asking because I can identify that, you know, I like to think of myself as a winsome person and you know, people are open to having a conversation with me and maybe they give things a, a shot for a while, or maybe they, they read and discover scripture and they're really drawn to its story and then maybe they come back and they say okay well how does this get worked into my life or if yeah. i do work this into my life it's going to have significant relational implications for me right maybe my my romantic relationship is not is not what it it should be with with this text in mind yeah. and uh, and i need to make some changes and now suddenly they're they're really engaged in a deep and personal way because of the uh because of the courageous act they took, which was to engage scripture and take it seriously. Uh, how do you respond whenever some of the ethical implications start to uh,
1: emerge for those who have taken your challenge seriously? Yeah, it's a great question. I'm, um, I'm passionate about ethics, and uh, it depending on the person and what their real problem is, um, I, I'm i happy to engage. The one just kind of general rule that, that I was taught by um, a guy, Dr. Peter Williams, years ago is a good starting place is to say with someone who has questions, okay, give me your hardest question and give me your most important question. And when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to believing the gospel and you could apply the same thing. Can you say those again? I think it's a helpful distinction. Say those again. Yep. What is your hardest question and what's your most important question? Um, And I like that uh, because There are some questions that people have that just kind of is really hard, you know, and so it could be an ethical question. It could be a question about um, the trustworthiness. Scripture, whether or not uh, the transmission of the Bible has been historic, has been reliable, whether the account is historically reliable. Um, But it also can be this um, this kind of ethical issue of of. Can I really believe in a God who would say this or that or would, you know, because um, often what I want to do is, uh, this seems counterintuitive, I often want to take people and say, oh, yeah, well, sure, this, this kind of contemporary issue is is difficult, but you're not even getting at some of the most difficult passages in the Bible. It's actually a lot worse than what you probably think that it is when when it comes to being out of step with the cultural norms of today. And so I'm happy to kind of engage with them on what is their hardest question. That way I'm not just going down an infinite rabbit hole of answering question after question uh, and they just kind of keep getting to lob these, you know, question grenades over the fence at me. Um, But let me answer your hardest question and let me answer your most important because most of the time, If they're really honest, um, I've got a friend who's not a believer that's, um, we've had a lot of conversations, and he has a lot of sort of intellectual reasons not to believe in scripture and Christianity that he says are keeping him from coming to faith. But in his moments of honesty, several times, he's admitted that what really is the most important thing is he had a really difficult childhood. And so he's having a hard time reconciling how could a good God who's all-powerful allow me to go through what I went through as a child. And so that's obviously, that's a pastoral question, right? That's a completely different tone. So um, so um, that's at least where I would start with a conversation with someone who had uh, ethical issues, but I'd want to quickly get them to Jesus because ultimately, if Jesus is God, if he rose from the dead, then we'll work out what the implications of that are. But that's what you have to start and end with. And because if he's not, then Let's, let's throw away the whole book, let's throw away the book, let's throw away Christianity. Uh, but if he did, then nothing else matters.
0: Now you've mentioned this a couple of times, which is a, a Christocentric reading of scripture or starting with Jesus and then, and then engaging the whole book with him as our, our lens. Yep. And there's a move that's, I think, growing in some popularity, which is uh, not just to start with Jesus and to read the whole book, but essentially just to start with Jesus. And right. leave off his scripture, leave off his his uh, what he was reading and knowing, and was believing and and using to orient and pattern his life. Right, our Christian yeah. Old Testament or Hebrew Bible. Um, there's a there's a temptation. I don't know if temptation is the right word. There's a, there's I think there's a growing a growing temptation. Maybe it's the right word, to uh, just start with Jesus. And kind of ignore the rest of it. Um, talk to us a little bit about about that. Um, what does it mean for you to read Je- read the Bible with Jesus at
1: the center rather than just simply starting with Jesus? Yeah. So let me let me uh, kind of draw out uh, some of the best part of Not What You Think because the introduction. Uh, it's not from Lauren and I. It's from uh, Tim Keller, who was kind enough to write our intro for us, and um, he kind of draws at this very idea of the temptation or the attempt by some today to separate Jesus from the scripture to say, I'm, I'm pro Jesus. I'm just not on board with the Bible. Um, And he points out that nearly 10% of all of Jesus quotes are from scripture quoting the Hebrew Bible, the old Testament. And ultimately that it's the basis of his life. He says like this, it means it would be impossible to embrace Jesus and reject the basis for everything he believed and did. To respect Jesus, you must respect scripture. And to make Jesus the basis of your life, you must accept the basis of his. To us, that kind of summarizes what the message is that we want to say, is that it is great that there are a lot of people today who are on board with um, Jesus, and uh, we wholeheartedly agree but to separate jesus from the scripture when we know about jesus because of the scripture and jesus affirms the old testament and some of those passages we discussed earlier is not being intellectually honest to who jesus uh, claims to be in the pages of scripture itself
0: joining us today has been uh, mike mcafee mike and his wife lauren are the authors of not what you think why the Bible might be nothing we expected, yet everything we need. Mike, I want to give you a chance for the last word. And let's say that we've got a a person listening in. That's one to whom you were writing. So you have a chance not just to have put your thoughts down in print to them, but you have a chance to put your thoughts into cyberspace here and speak directly to them. And mm-hmm. and let's put them in the in the open to Scripture category. So they're not engaged. They're not engaged. And, and they're not closed, but if they're towards one of those spectrums, let's put them a little bit closer to closed, right? It's kind of the, that's that's where they'd be a little bit more drawn if just out of the circumstances of their life. What would you say
1: to that person if they're listening in today? Uh, first, I want to say uh, thank you for listening in. Uh, you should well, continue great. listening. And others. great, great taste in podcasts. I must that's say, that's right. Yeah, very excellent. And uh, and I'm sure there's a lot of these episodes that will be more helpful to you as you consider whether or not the claims of Christianity and the Bible in particular is worth your your time and investment. Um, I, I understand that there are uh, reasons to dismiss the Bible because, on the surface, when we read it in our uh, 21st century Western context, mainly, I assume. Uh, is the people that will be listening to this, that uh, it is easy to read back on an ancient book and judge the people and judge the God uh, of that book because we are separated by time and space from their reality. I would ask that you would show the same humility that you would want others to show you and getting to know who they are, getting to know their context and Um, and I would point out, because I know the Bible's a big book to uh, reckon with. First off, again, you've heard me say this, but ultimately start with Jesus. Start with the four Gospels, the beginning of the New Testament, and as you work through, uh, the thing that I would encourage you to do is to um, ask yourself, as you're reading, to look and be open to uh, whether or not the book itself has something to say. Get to know it in its context and And um, ultimately, the Bible is kind of easy to dismiss based on a bunch of different claims. uh, But the Bible has withstood thousands of years, thousands of years of critique, thousands of years, and is the most widely read book Today, it has changed more people's uh, lives and hearts. And, and I'm not just even talking about in the church. I mean, you look at governments, you look at art and architecture around the world, outside the church. There is no end to the impact that this book has had. And so um, don't dismiss the Bible before you get a chance to know it for yourself. And ultimately, if you um, do and you engage with resources like this, you uh, read the Bible for yourself, and you come to the conclusion that it's not God's word, I can respect that. I can respect that and you can walk away knowing that you engage with the scripture for yourself, um, but don't judge the book before giving it a chance on its own terms.
0: And now I wanna give you a chance to have a last word as a millennial speaking to peers who are in church leadership or to perhaps some, um, some Gen Xers uh, yeah. or, or boomers who are in, in church leadership um what would you say to them as a millennial who's uh interfaced and interacted a lot with people and you've probably got a shared desire to have people engage the bible more deeply and more personally
1: what would you say to those who are in spiritual authority and church leadership about this issue don't give up on us don't give up on the millennials in your life um they will likely uh posture that they are more certain about things more committed to positions than they truly are Uh, we're open to a lot and uh, we're we're spiritual um, we're seeking we're uh, most millennials that you know are if you look at previous generations when they were at the same age that millennials are today they were in a similar place in terms of scripture engagement and so there's still hope for us. Don't give up on us. Continue to pray, continue to disciple, continue to evangelize, and uh, let's work together to the Great Commission until Jesus calls us home. Michael, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Thank you. It was an honor to be here. It's a lot of fun.
0: Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. You help make these conversations possible, and it's always uh, a little bit more impetus to have these conversations when we're confident that people are listening in and sharing some of their feedback to us we always invite that feedback thanks for sharing some of the things that you learned or some of the things you'd like to see us talk about here at the Wesley Seminary podcast we're always open to that info and we would also ask that you to take a moment to upvote us share and like uh, like us and share us on the various platforms that you access the Wesley Seminary podcast thanks so much for checking out this uh, podcast episode I want to say thanks to Cam for his production work. Always great to work with Cam. Thank you so much for making that possible, and to our various sponsors as well. Uh, thanks again, uh, Michael. Thank you, listeners. Trust you all. Have a great day. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under the name Wesley Seminary.